Mercury, Mercury Stardust She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night Mercury, Mercury Stardust She'll teach you how to make it all alright Hey there, hi, my name is Mercury and I'm the trans handyman My pronouns are she, her, and I teach compassionate DIY We're here to help renters, LGBTQIA members, and anyone who's feeling left out in a DIY space Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals! Thank you for listening to this episode of the Handy Ma'am Hotline. As always, I am joined by Maggie Conrad. Maggie, you are looking and sounding very different today. I have a cold. Oh, so okay. That's, uh, I sound a little bit different. And also, <laughs> my voice is cracking for some reason. <laughs> for those who don't know, that's the wonderful voice of my uh, amazing friend, Matthew Allen Hag. Matthew usually does the editing and all the sound stuff for these shows, but today he's filling in for Maggie while Maggie is finishing the book tour coordination right now. By the time that you're listening to this episode, I think that all of the book tour dates will be out. When is this episode coming out? Next Wednesday. Okay, so we're always like at like tw- like nine days ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we're recording this right now, it's nine days in the past. It's so much better than it is when you're listening to it because I'm assuming things got worse. Oh, oh yay! Oh my God, you're <laughs> right. That's how things work, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It feels like every day I wake up, the world has gotten slightly darker every yeah. day at this point. All of that being said, we are going to answer your DIY questions and we are going to do the best we can. Now, I am definitely the expert here. Matthew, would you say you're an expert on anything handy? I am an experienced amateur. Matthew is an Eagle Scout. And I think that's important to say because I have noticed over the years of being Matthew's friend is that Matt thinks he can fix everything. (laughs) (laughs) And I do not think that is always the case. (laughs) The, The thing is, like, I'll learn enough to understand like the theory of how the thing should be fixed yeah. but then just in practice it falls apart you are essentially a mad scientist you're a mad scientist i have walked into math's home this is an apartment everybody and i have found like just piles of sawdust <laughs> yeah. just a wood shop in his house <laughs> yeah i try not to do that anymore oh you're I- good uh, that's that's amazing in so many ways. Okay, all that being said, Matthew, we're going to take three questions today, okay? Yes. Matt is going to play them for me or read them off for me, and I'm going to answer them to the best of my ability. Matthew, are you ready to answer the questions? I'm ready. Hi, Mercury. So I bought a bunch of pre-hung doors to install in my house. Now, my house was built in 1970, so it's older. So the door frames are actually a lot wider than the pre-hung frames themselves. I'm wondering what I can do to even it out. If there is anything I can do, I will also send you a picture of how much wider it's. it's it's almost one inch on one side and about, I don't know, like a half inch on the other side wider than the pre-hung door frames. And I want to know what I can do to even that all out and make it look good. My name is Tara, and my pronouns are she, her. Thank you so much. Well, hey, Tara. I hope that you're doing really good. I believe 
that this is really interesting. I'm looking at it right now. What Tara is talking about is that the, the door jam is all together. In a pre-hung door, they're all together, okay? Matt, t- you can always fill it in, stuff in if I miss anything. Mm-hmm. But essentially, a pre-hung door is what we use down here in the studio. It's just the, the, the frame around the door, and then that just goes in there, and then you do all the things, okay? As we are seeing here, the door jam that was bought was definitely slightly smaller than what this is, or the the actual frame itself, the actual wall is wider than typical. It's really hard to tell for sure and what the actual measurements are. I do not think that they gave us any measurements, right? Tara didn't uh, give us anything. I don't think so. Well, they said it was about an inch on each side. Oh, okay. Of overhang that's left. Yeah. Okay, that's a really good. I think that, boy, I think the proper route is going to be to, boy, how are you going to make that look good? I, I, I mean, a part of me is like maybe a pre-hung door was maybe not the route I would have gone. But I think if you want to make that look good, I think drywall might be one of your best friends. I think corner bead and drywall and... Maybe adding trim underneath there. So, okay. You could use quarter round to slide in there. And that quarter round might look really good. Now, quarter round is essentially... You see it in bathrooms a lot. Where quarter round is basically like trim that like goes in. That has like a pointed end. And on uh, on the other side is all rounded. Okay. Does that make sense, yeah, like Manny? A, like from the side view, it'd be like a circle divided into quarters. Yes, a se- yes, yes, yes. Matt is killing the game. I did not realize that until right now. That's what it is. But Matt's right. <laughs> that is quarter round is a circle divided into quarters. Oh <laughs> my god, Matt, you just blew my mind. I've been doing this work for sixteen years. <laughs> oh my god, that's awful. Because they have half round too. <laughs> I, they might. They might. I'm trying to think of where that would be useful. <laughs> Sorry. I just can't get over the fact that I've been saying quarter round my entire life and never understood why until now. <laughs> and I made fun of you before the episode started. I made fun of you saying you were an Eagle Scout, and now I didn't even know why they called it quarter round. But see, that's the thing. I didn't actually know that. I just logic it out and guessed. Yeah, and when I do you that, eagle sometimes it. it works really well. Sometimes you, it works really poorly. You eagle scouted is what it is. Uh, okay, that that so that's what I would say. I think quarter round would be one route. Uh, corner bead with some drywall and a lot of mudding would be another route. Are you saying like thin strips of drywall on that part? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I would say. Like I would say like thin like I would say half inch. I don't know how the depth is. It looks like there is a, a lot of depth that is missing. So basically what we are looking at, this is so hard to describe, but there is a door jam that's like put into a frame and there's a lot of overhang and a lot of gaps. And I think that the route I would do is fill that in with mud and then put corner around on top of that and then put more mud on top of it and try to smooth it out. If you've never used drywall in that way, it might be very difficult. If you are someone who's done a lot of drywalling, this will be like a, a walk in the park. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. What about that hinge? The hinge? 
It's really hard to know if that would be a problem or not from our angle. From our angle, it doesn't look like it's going to be an issue. But the hinge itself, if it does rub up into where the potential surface is going to be, then you can only bring that wall, you know, so far, you know, down, if that makes sense. Like, you can only, you're only going to be able to build up that corner to prevent all that showing so well. But, but to me... I, I think if you really wanted this to look like an expert job, if that was your goal, then I think you would want to not use a pre-hung door and to, like, finish the whole door yourself and then cut the do- door down to size and all that stuff if you need to. Does that make sense? Yeah. I wouldn't have done a pre-hung door is what I'm trying to say. And, 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 and because, to me, I feel like this is an older home with, like, some yeah, they very... I don't know exactly how much, but they mentioned it was pretty old. Yeah, I when you I think it's really hard to use pre-manufactured things for for homes that were literally before the pre-manufactured era. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So like I think this is like an uphill battle, but I do think it's going to look I think if you do those things, I think it's going to look really nice. I think it's going to look good. If you want it to be perfect, there's a whole different story. And also remember this, you're going to add trim on top of it still. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you can make it look decent, you're going to still cover it up with trim. So if you can use that drywall and that mud and that quarter round or whatever you got to use, I mean, fuck, you use gap filler. You know what I'm talking about? The gap filler stuff, installation spray? Oh, okay. You put that in there and you can gap fill it up pretty good. And then you can mud on top of that. And then you'll cover the whole mess up with trim and you won't even notice a damn thing. That actually is not a bad idea. Now that I just walked it through that, I think that hiding that with trim would not be a bad idea. It's going to look real nice if you do that, I think. Matt, you with me? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to think of questions to ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Everyone, I want you all to make comments, and I want you to post on my Instagram post about how much you love Matthew and give him all the encouragement. I think he needs it. Um, but that being said, I think that is the answer for that question. I think that is the best route we can go. Gap filler, corner round, mud, and corner bead. You know what corner bead is, if I say that? Is that the, it's like cock, but it's like, a, a no? Corner bead, oh, I mean, oh, oh, you're talking about like sealant. Okay, I was like, why are we saying cock on that episode? <laughs> Wait, is corner, like, <laughs> you have to bead off your cock. <laughs> That's what I always yeah, heard. You got to bead off the cock. Yeah, no, 100%. No, no. Okay. So corner bead is the corner piece that you have for the, the drywall mud. So it's like a an end cap. You know what I mean? Like if you look at that corner there, Matthew, we're looking at a corner on a wall right now. Yeah. And it's an exposed corner. Okay. That ex- underneath all that mud is something called corner bead. And that quarter bean is typically, it has a metal side, like a sheet metal side or something. Sometimes they don't, but a lot of times they do. That's why when you go to a corner or almost any wall and you put a magnet on it, you almost always find the stud. Because that's, that's metal underneath there and there's a stud in the corner. Okay? So that being said, if you took all that mud off, you would see something called corner bead. And corner bead has a nice 90 degree bend on it. And that's why that could work there. You put all that mud there, you let the mud sit, let that dry, and you put the corner bead on there, and then you mud around there, and you can look make it look fairly smooth. 
And then you can add your trim on top of that, and then people won't see it as much. It'll hide some of the imperfections. If that makes sense. Yeah. I get what you're throwing down. You make it look decorative. Make it look purposeful. If you make it look purposeful, then no one's going to notice all the mistakes and the shit that went wrong to get there. Yay, Matt, we did it. We, did it. we answered our first question together. Thank you for the nice, large, high-res picture. If you're going to send no, pictures, oh my God. make sure they're as high-res as possible. If you're going to send us pictures, please make sure they're high-res. And also, got to make sure you send me pictures of cats. I think we're getting a lot of pictures of cats. I really do. But I don't think that my team is showing me the cats, and I'm kind of mad about it. There might be cats. There might be later. cats in this episode? Maybe. What? If you're good. If I'm good, yourself. there'll be cats in this episode? So wait, if I get the next two right, does that mean I've been good? I'm going to say if you get the next one right, because I figure you're going to solve the third question. Oh, okay, 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 good, good. If I get the next one right, I'm going to see cat pictures, but it seems like the next one... It seems like the third one with the cat pictures in there is actually a question, so I got to see it anyways. Hi, Marjorie. My name is Kelly. My pronouns are she, her. I'm calling because I have a question about plaster repair. I have a bathroom where the plaster is damaged near the shower, and we were able to determine that it has cement board on the back, but we're not sure how to repair it. Being so close to our shower, we're worried about mold and getting the right materials. If you could give me any guidance, I would really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, so there's a lot of conflicting stuff in this audio. Matt, you fill me in just to make sure that I'm not wrong here, okay? Mm -hmm. They are saying that they have plaster on top of cement board. That's what it seems like. In a bathroom, and that the plaster is, is peeling. Is that what's happening? For those who don't know what cement board is, cement board is typically what you put in your walls around your bathtubs and bathrooms, okay? Now, the reason why you do that is because the the way that that will handle water is dramatically different than drywall, okay? Drywall should say the name in it. Dry wall, okay? Don't put dry wall next to a water source, okay? That is a rule of thumb. Oftentimes, it does happen, especially, especially in trailers. Uh, I see that a lot in trailers. They'll still use drywall next to a tub. They'll put a really nice big tub in there, but they'll give you, like, quarter-inch drywall, which is a really bad idea. Now, for those who are not confused, plaster typically associated with plaster and lathe, okay, or horsehair plaster, okay? I think they need drywall mud. I think that sometimes people use the term plaster when they mean drywall mud. Would that be a good assumption, Matthew? I think so. Okay. Because if they got cement board underneath, I think they would have drywall mud on top. But either way, even if they have plaster, it it shouldn't be a big deal. The way that we can fix this, the way that we can prevent this, okay, is that, A, if you if this is exposed right now, I would just take a look and make sure there isn't any mold or anything going on. I, I, I would say before you, you know, cut it out and do all that stuff, I would say that I would want you to really inspect it to make sure there's no, you know, mildew or mold growing as it is. You don't get many chances to look in your wall, so use the chance to look in your wall is what I'm trying to say and make sure that everything's doing its job. And then... Once you do that, 
then my next suggestion would be to make a bigger hole than what you got, probably. You said damage. I'm assuming this is a hole, right? Because they said that they, well, we can tell that it's whatever. I, I think if it's really close to the bath, the the bathroom, like I, I don't see a photo or anything, so it's really hard to know. But this is what I would typically do. What I would, regardless of how close you are, what I would typically tell people um, for a patch, you're going to want to do some type of plank patch or like plank board patch. Basically, what that means is you take like one by two or one by four and you run it through the hole that you have. And then you put screws to that through the wall that are holding that piece of board. And then you put the cement board on top of that, like fit right into that hole. Does that make sense, Manny? Yes. So if you have like a round beat up hole, cut out a larger square, put that square on the wall and then take a pencil and draw out the entire square. That's going to be your template. Mm -hmm. Then take a drywall knife. Or some type of drywall cutter. It will work on cement board just fine. And then you're cutting that hole. And then you're putting the boards in there to drill to the wall to hold the board up. You're basically making a lip. Okay? You're making a lip or like a shelf for the cement board that you just cut out and use as a template to place in there. Mm -hmm. And then screw that to the board. Okay, then you can do all the drywalling and all the money that you want to make sure it looks good. When you do all that, make sure that everything you're using is mold and mildew resistant. Once you do all that, then you're going to want a primer, lacquer it, and then finish coat. But everything should be mold resistant. That's what you're going to want to do. You're going to want to make sure that you got paint that can like really do a good job and uh, repel it. And make sure that you are really thinking about that long term. If you're going to put tiles in, a, in that kind of stuff, just make sure that you are getting tiles that are going to work with what you're doing and do a lot of that research with it, okay? Not old tile is going to work best for what you're doing, if that makes sense. Now, if it's really close to the bathtub or the shower and you don't have much room, oh boy, I would say you can... You're probably worried that it's underneath. You, I, I don't know. Maybe the cement board is damaged, uh, like, in the wall itself and stuff like that. But I think if you remove some of the cement board that you actually have access to before it gets to the tub area and just see if it's moldy or mildewy, that alone will tell you if you're having a problem. If you are having a problem, if there are mold and mildew, that's when you get yourself a dehumidifier. Go in there and run that darn thing uh, for a few days. And you know, I would say even a week. It's going to get real dry in that area, but it's really going to suck up a lot of that moisture. And that's going to help get the mold and mildew out of there if it is happening. Does that make sense, Manny? Yes. Even if there's not mold, would you recommend using a dehumidifier before yeah. any of this to just dry out everything? I think if you're concerned about it, I don't think a dehumidifier is a bad idea. I just want you to be really careful. Does with it. the does the dehumidifiers are very dangerous? So I would I would be careful. Okay, you know they can cause fires pretty quickly if you're not mm-hmm. well rehearsed. So make sure you get the kind that like will shut off if it turns on yes. if, it, if, it, yes. if it dumps over and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, dehumidifiers can be a pain. Does that affect how well the drywall mud sticks? Yeah, so if if you have a really wet surface 
or a really wet area or everything is moist that you're putting the, the thing on. Well, yeah, you're going to definitely have a lot of problems. No matter what kind of resistant you got. You know, I always tell people when you hear resistant, it's not proof. Mm-hmm. It's resistant. It's going to do its best to resist the mold and mildew. But over time, it will get beat up. It's fighting, you know, it is the 300 in the movie 300. You know what I mean? Like, it is, yeah, no, they're going to hold them off, but they're going to die. <laughs> you know? That is essentially what's happening here with the with the, the cement board. It's going to hold it off, but it will not be able to win. So, gotcha. yeah, I hope that clarifies that question. Anything else, Maddie? Anything else? I have no more follow-up questions. Would you like to hear another audio question? Good. We're going to hear another audio question. But first, I just want to say that that means that I am right. Yes, you're right. No one is in the room right now to tell me that I'm wrong. And if you are someone at home who thinks I'm wrong, first of all, why aren't you here? Why aren't you in the room with me right now being a guide for me? And second of all, go fuck yourself. Okay? <laughs> now, that being said, no, if you do... If we're so wrong, you you make your own podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, if that is... If you do have any questions or omissions that you would want me to redo or add to, please make sure that you are texting us at this number. 608-205-8768. Okay. Matt, roll the next clip. So this is two voicemails. Frankenstein together because they were asking pretty much the same question. Okay, so you have two voice messages uh-huh. that you Frankenstein together. Yeah, I sewed them together and I hit them with lightning. Wow! Are they going to pick flowers with little girls by a lake? Maybe. Okay, let's we'll find see. out. Hi, my name is Kiki. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. How do I even <laughs> start this? So. I am missing a screen out of my bedroom window. There's no way for me to open it. Like, I'm scared to open it because I'm afraid something's going to crawl in. And I've lived here for two years, and the landlord has never come to fix it, so I guess I'm going to have to fix it myself. But I have no idea where to start. Like, I've seen your videos on repairing screens, but if I I don't have a screen to repair. Like, there's nothing there. (laughs) So how do I go about measuring the window and like where do i go to find the screen and like is it super expensive i I have no idea where to start and i'm getting so many different like hits on google and everything else i have no idea where to start so if you could help me with that that'd be amazing i love everything you do i wish you continued success thank you so much hi mercury my name is rachel she her pronouns and i have a really quick question about cats and window screens so i am a renter however I have this really awesome landlord, and it sounds like she's had this problem before. So I have these two older kittens, and they popped out the window screen last weekend. Luckily, they were just, you know, underneath the porch, a little bit scared, and I was able to suck them out, and so we're all good. But how do I securely attach a window screen so that my cats can't just pop it out easily? I have talked to my dad, and the thought of, you know, like a removable cock or something came up. But should I just kind of keep that window shut? Because even if you secure the screen, will the cat just kind of, like, 20 pounds of cat, will that just kind of rip the screen anyway? Any suggestions would be great. And thank you. And I will text you cat pictures, by the way. I love when people come in red hot with fucking cat photos. I got to tell you, these two little kitty cats are the most adorable little kitty cats in the world. They're snuggling together. 
on top of a cat tree, and I love it. And you're right. These two questions are kind of in tandem. They're not necessarily the same question. There are two distinct questions here, but I think they do kind of operate in the same vein. First of all, to answer the first part, like, how do you replace the screen altogether, right? We have, the, the like, the screen itself, We you can repair that, but how do you replace the frame and everything that goes with it, right? You can get Windows Screen Repair Kit that will come with all the kit and the caboodles, okay? They range between $15 and $25. They're pretty affordable. Do not get the kits with the plastic runner, the plastic spine guide. Okay, what you want to get is one of those metal ones that has like two rollers on either side, and the metal ones will be easier to squeeze what you call a spline, a spleen or spline, whatever you call it. It's this rubber gasket essentially that gets pushed into the corners of the frame, which then holds the whole screen together. Okay, okay, yeah. Now, if you buy like a whole repair kit, you'll get the corners. And the long frame pieces that will actually be able to be assembled. And you can cut the frame up to be the size that you need. So the way that you want to measure this is basically you get a tape measure. And wherever the screen is supposed to sit, right, that little ledge, you're measuring that from one side all the way to another to the top and the bottom. Mm -hmm. And then that's your measurements. Now, you can get the screen as close as possible, air on the side of caution, and don't cut it down too much, and then you assemble the whole piece together. I will be doing a video on this at some point because it's very hard to explain, as a lot of things are on the podcast. But yeah, um, Matt, walk, help me walk them through this, if you know what I'm trying to say. So, we are building a frame, okay? Yes. Think of it as a picture frame. We're piecing it all together with a left, a right, a top, and a bottom. And each one of those connect with a corner piece, right? Like a yep, puzzle, yep, like, like a yeah. corner puzzle piece. And that connects them all together. You get those eight pieces, those four corner pieces, and those top bottoms, left and right. You get all that together when you order a repair kit, okay? Mm-hmm. Then you can cut them all down with a miter saw. Or some type of jigsaw or anything. You can do all that by cutting them down. I always recommend to renters, if you're going to do anything like this, that this far, you can get an actual, like, old school miter saw for, like, $15 at a a store. And what I mean by that is it's just like a plastic piece that holds your cutting materials in place. And then you have just a regular saw, a hand saw that goes across and it's kind of like a, it's like a jig. Mm-hmm. It, like you, it has like little slots where the, where the blade goes and you just run the blade across of it. And that's how you can get that straight line. Mm-hmm. So that's why I recommend like a hand miter saw and then do the best you can and put everything together. And that's, that's basically it. The, the rest of the video about how to run that that spleen in there in the grooves and everything that's the same thing it would do here you it, replacing the screen is just like installing a screen it's the same thing and all it is is just stretching out the screen as much as possible on one corner putting the spleen in there or a spline or whatever you want to call it just a rubber gasket like i said you pushed it in there with that little roller it comes with 
or a flathead screwdriver, and then you go all the way around in all four sides. Does that make sense, Manny? Yes. Is it possible that they wouldn't have the tracks for the screen, that they'd have to install those too? When you say track, what do you mean? Like when the you put the screen in, it slides up and down on a track, or is that all part of the kit? Some of them don't even have tracks. So I would hope those tracks are already in place if you need them. A lot of times, they they just sit on nothing. They got like little holes in a wall, uh, and that's <laughs> and then you, like you can take this little pin and it pulls in and, and snaps in place. You won't have them on the one that you're doing. So yeah, in an ideal world, you're taking the pieces from the old one. That is what I usually recommend to people: take the pieces from the old one. But if you don't have that frame anymore and you got to build one, this is the best you can do. There will be different options with the repair kits. You might be able to get one that does have some type of mechanism that can hold it in place. Some might be, as you said, track friendly. Some might not be. It all really depends. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as holding it in there, I, I I would say as far as like a temporary option, because they're a renter, right? I got the feeling they're a renter because they brought the temporary one. Yes, I think so. Okay. If you are a renter, I mean... The first one is definitely a renter. I think they're both renters. I think so, too. I get the vibe. Um, also, those cats scream, we live in this rental. <laughs> <laughs> but all that being said, most cock is replaceable. <laughs> Out of context, that's hilarious. <laughs> most cock is replaceable, though. I, I, I think silicone cocking would be fine. I think it would hold really well here. If you want to go the extra distance, you can get something a little bit more sturdy. So the kind of cocks I would recommend is I think a latex cock would work fine and would work well with a silicone cock. I would stay away from acrylic. That's going to be much harder and dries really hard. I really haven't used too much of vinyl latex. I don't think I would recommend that in this instance either. But, so yeah, that's latex or silicone would work fine. Dap or stretch are the two that I recommend. I think using a good amount is not going to be a terrible thing. You can get it off for the most part. You may peel some of the paint off when you are doing it, but I think that's the price of emission here. I don't think that's the end of the world. You're not going to be charged millions of dollars for it. You might be charged like, you know... 20 bucks or something when you move out but that's about it i think that's about where i'm at i, th- I think that the silicone cock is not a bad idea i i would say if you want something more permanent and more safe then that's when i would drill in a, some type of l bracket you know i would just drill the frame right in there i would say i would just take the whole thing out and just keep the window closed to be the safest yeah because i i i, I have cats and i've had to take the the, the frames out the actual screens out many times because it doesn't i never trust my cats in that screen i never do now if you have they have all day to mess with that thing if you if you are someone who really really wants to have the window open and you love your cats i recommend a using an l bracket to hold that frame in but b getting yourself type of uh, of um pet screen they make pet screen which is much heftier than your regular screen and that pet scream, I, I've got it. It is. That's durable stuff. And it's supposed to be stuff that when the cat puts their claw on it, they, they don't like the feel. Oh. So nice. it deters them. Yeah. It teaches them really early. It's a lot, It's not nearly as soft as regular screening. 
Like, it is night and day different. So if you really want to have that window open and you're okay with doing some work, DIY work, I say build a frame like we were just talking about in the first part of the question. Build a frame so you can keep the old one for when you move out. Build the frame and then put it in there with like a good amount of caulking, right? And then make sure when you build it, build it with a pet screen. Mm. And then it should be good to go. I, I think that, you know, it's one hell of an experiment. And I I don't think, and watch it. Really watch your boys or your girls, depending on. They look like they're two boys who definitely have a gay romance going on. And I'm, I'm, I'm supportive of that. I really, you know, I know a lot of people think that I'm against uh, gay cats, but I'm not. I really <laughs> think gay cats, I love their lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> By the life stars, I mean sleeping together all day and just waking up to eat food. You know, yeah. God, being cats are great. I just wish I was a cat so bad. Nothing has been more trans stereotypical than me saying out loud, I wish I was a cat. <laughs> okay. That being said, that's my hot take. I, I would say go that and just watch their behavior and see how they interact with it. I think the first time that you put it in there, they're going to immediately walk up to it and check it out, and they're going to beat it up as much as they would probably. Manny, what do you think? I think that sounds like a good idea. Also, I think it's it, pretty if money allows a catio type situation. Yeah, I actually thought that too. I'm but, not sure how expensive those uh, are. But how to make a catio? You can make a catio for a really affordable price. Because you, here's the thing about catios that's great. If you really want a catio design, I've talked about just making one that's portable that I can like put on the front porch for my boys and then always bring in and take down mm-hmm. uh, and then filming a TikTok for it. But if you want a catio, right, one by fours or one by twos for all the siding would be fine, right? And yeah. if you are going to monitor it all the time, right, if you want it to be more durable, then I think you want to go a little beefier and you want all the screening to be like pet safe stuff and really make sure that, that you're not going to have any animal who's going to get under or through to your to your kitties. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. sometimes the really thin stuff can be beat up pretty easy, you know, and if you get the wrong critter out there, you know, they're going to get in. But a one by two with a whole bunch of that pet screen would be a great way to frame it all, and you can use staples for it and make sure the staples go all yeah. the way in. Just make sure you pound the staples in, and then if you want to be really safe, pound them in and use duct tape. (laughs) (laughs) And then no kitty is going to get the little paws stuck. You know, for those who have been following me on on TikTok and Instagram, you know that I've been making cat shelves a lot. And you learn a lot by doing it. I think the thing that people always get wrong with cat trees is they put the most expensive fucking carpet on it. Cats don't like that. They like the cheaper stuff. Yeah. So that like exterior multi-purpose rug, that's what the cats love. They love that. That's the cheapest stuff out there. Yeah. It is their favorite. My cats love Harbor Freight moving blankets. Oh my <laughs> god, that's another really good one. I love getting like I love to go to the clearance section and look at like wood that was that has gone wrong. A lot of times it's refurnished wrong or yeah. it's broken or there's a whole bunch of like just crap on it or something. I love that stuff and refurbishing it. I love it. It's so cheap mm-hmm. and you can the right kind of stain and the the amount of energy will make that look so good. You don't even need power tools for a lot of that. No. You just need some patience and a well-ventilated area. So outside would be great for some of it. And then two sawhorses, and you're good to go. 
That's how I started my wood shop. Those two saw horses outdoors and, and a dream. And a dream. God, that's the most like two saw horses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two stars. Mercury Stardust AI book. Is that what we're going? Oh, that's hilarious. Is, is that what we're going to start telling people that I started the business with two saw horses and a dream? Yeah. Yeah. Is that my is that my Steve Jobs uh, yeah, we journey? Gotta, we got to do some myth making. Okay. Right? Okay. Everybody, I need you to do me a favor. <laughs> I need you all. For now on, every time that I post a video or anything online, I need you, you to just say, just to think, she did all this by having two sawhorses and a dream. And I will know you're a hardcore follower. And I will also know that you are <laughs> just as much of an idiot as me and Matthew. So if you want to be on my good side right away, you will write, oh, wow, uh, all of this started from just two sawhorses and a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the funniest thing to me. Okay, Matthew? Yes. We answered all these questions today. We did. We did. And we, we also got some cat photos. Jointly answered all the questions. We answered all of them. Yeah. I could not have done this without <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> Everyone, I want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Handy Ma'am Hotline. I want to remind you that the book is coming out safe and sound, a renter's friendly guide to home repair on August 22nd. We are having a 12-hour live stream on August 4th, which is tomorrow if you're listening to this on the day it comes out. Now, we need your help. We want people to help support us to try to push this to 50,000 pre-ordered books. The reason why is because I believe if we get all the support that we know we can get, we will be able to really make more change in the way of rights for renters. The book talks so heavily about renters' rights. It talks heavily about making a home your home. And I think it's really important right now in the, the world that we live in that we have more deep conversations about this. Over 200, I think close to 240 representatives at the federal level are landlords. They have an incentive not to listen to us. They have an incentive to do their own thing. And because of laws with senators and representatives, one of the ways for them to make more money and to get away with it within the laws that they have in place is to be a landlord because it's passive income at that point. And they're able to, you know, skirt around laws that will you know, have some type of wage gap. Mm. So, and they don't have to declare it either. They don't have to declare it because of that. It's a lot of a BS, right? These laws that are put in place that protects those powers that be. But that all being said, the powers that be do have an incentive not to listen to us. So the more that we get me in front of a major audience, the more that we get me in front of the media, the larger this, this voice will be magnified to hopefully make some change somewhere. We can't guarantee this is going to change the system. It probably won't. But I do think that this book starts a conversation amongst people, especially landlords of how we actually care for and support the tenants that are in our homes. And as a person who you and our you and I Matthew are both renters. Mm -hmm. And I will say this and it's really important for people to know is I've been asked repeatedly why I'm doing this for renters. And it's because I'm genuinely trying to fight for my own rights here. You know what I mean? Like I'm a trans woman who's afraid to have people come in my own home. So I do all this stuff myself, right? And I also am someone who is a renter. And I'm at the, you know, the begs and calls of a landlord who 
doesn't typically have my best interests in mind for me, but for their property and their value. And I think that that's a really, when we place property value above human life, I think that a lot of things can go awry, you know. But all that being said, that is happening. And I really would love the support if you're able to give it. So if you haven't bought Safe and Sound or Renters Friendly Got a Home Repair, please do that now. We prefer if you support bookshop.org since they're an independent bookstore giver and provider. And they'll be able to link you up with your local bookstore. And the book tour is announced now. So you'll know exactly what city, what bookstore, and what date we're going to be in or near your city. You just go to my Instagram or my website, mercurystardust.com, for more information. And as above always, remember this. You're worth the time it takes to learn a new skill. Bye-bye. The theme song was created by Rody Walker. Questions were picked up by our production assistant, Ziggy. A big thank you to our executive producer, Basil. And this podcast was recorded and edited by Matthew Allen Hagg. Thank you for listening. See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Hotline, you can listen to an even longer version by supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, $10 or more, you'll be able to get an extra long 30 to 45 minute section every single week. Isn't that amazing? More of me and Maggie. Wow! So thank you so much for all those who already support us, and you too can support us and listen to more on our Patreon. Thank you. Bye-bye. So grab your hammer and nails and paint your nails if you want to. You're worth the time it takes.